Do you struggle with feeling inadequate? This is today's topic on the Dorenda Wilson podcast. Hey everyone, I'm Dorenda, wife to one, mom to eight, nana to 10, and 28-year veteran homeschooling mom. I'm also the author of The Unhurried Homeschooler, a simple, mercifully short book on homeschooling, The 4-Hour School Day, How You and Your Kids Can Thrive in the Homeschool Life, and Unhurried Grace for a Mom's Heart, which is a devotional that I wrote specifically for homeschooling moms. I hope you'll check those three books out. You can do that at DorendaWilson.com. You can find all three books on Amazon, and you can find The 4-Hour School Day at any of your favorite booksellers in addition to the places that I just mentioned. I also want to let you know that if you sign up for my monthly newsletter, you will receive a free digital download of Encouraging a Homeschool Heart, which is a devotional that goes with the four-hour school day. And this is a perfect time of year to be going through something like this because what I do is walk you through... Uh, some really good questions to ask yourselves um, about why you're homeschooling, what direction you're going to go. It kind of helps drill down on maybe uh, finding a more clear direction for the coming year. So all you have to do is subscribe to my monthly newsletter and you can receive that digital download for free. I also have a mentoring course. This is a course that I uh, put together. It's a video series. And it is uh, just a series of videos where I talk about what it looks like to take a simple, unhurried approach to homeschooling kindergarten through 12th grade. I also include um, a lot of resources with that in terms of um, just kind of some of our favorite things. Um, so I hope you'll go and check that out. I'll leave a link in the show notes for that as well. I also want to remind you that if you are in Northern California or Central California, because you could drive to Northern California, right? <laughs> so um, I just want to let you know that I'm going to be at a conference there on July 20. 1st and 22nd. So it's an evening and an all-day event. So it's a Friday evening, all-day Saturday. I will leave a link in the show notes because I would love to meet you there. I'm going to fly across the country so I can meet all these California peeps. So I hope to see you there. Again, I'll leave a link in the show notes. And you guys have heard me talk about CTC Math for some time now, but have you tried it out yet? They do offer it. Free trial um, so you can see if it's a good fit for you and your kids. But CTC Math provides online video tutorials that make learning math easy and effective. This online math program uses creative graphics and animation that are sure to grab and keep your child's attention. Start your free trial today by visiting ctcmath.com. That's ctcmath.com. And I will leave a link in the show notes for that as well. So one of the most common things that moms tell me um, that they're struggling with is feeling inadequate. This is so common. It's so funny because I think often we think we're the only ones, right? <laughs> and it turns out that pretty much all of us, at least at one time or another, and many of us for much of the time, feel inadequate. And, you know, when we feel this way, it's really easy to grasp the first comfort that we can find, whatever we can find along the way, because how do we how do we reconcile this feeling of inadequacy? Um, but we can, like I said, be looking for comfort in in the wrong places, with and not actually drilling down further and finding our answers um, in God's word and in the truths of God's word. So that's what we're going to do today. So I'm going to start out just defining what feeling inadequate actually means. So 
I looked up the definition and I thought this pretty much nailed it. It's lacking the quality or quantity required, insufficient for a purpose, Um, maybe of a person. um, Each of us could probably relate to this, feeling unable to deal with a situation. And I think that all of us have felt this at one time or another, and we can feel this in many areas, but I think for us as moms, parenting and homeschooling are the most common and usually the most burdensome because we love our kids, right? That love for our kids is just deeper and wider than we could have ever imagined. And so that's where this feeling of inadequacy can really become pervasive as we recognize how much we want for our kids and how little we feel like we might be able to give to them. And just feeling like this idea that we could fail them is just too much to bear. So let's kind of just talk about kind of the why. Why do we feel inadequate? So let's start with motherhood. Maybe you didn't grow up with a solid example of biblical motherhood, and maybe you did, like like I did, but you realize it's very different being the parent than being the recipient of you know good mothering. You can have that great example, which is also super helpful, but you have different children, different situations you run into, so it is different being a mom than being mothered, um, but I will say that having an example of biblical motherhood is absolutely very, very helpful. But for those who didn't, it is not impossible. And we're going to talk more about that in just a minute. We also can feel inadequate because we're we are confused by mixed messages on social media from others from the culture, even our own expectations. You know, I think we sort of collect things along the way as we maybe are anticipating motherhood and we think, oh, I wouldn't do that, ever do that. And then you find yourself in in motherhood and, and realizing that that thing is actually an option on the table <laughs> for one reason or another. You know, maybe you planned on breastfeeding and there's an obstacle there that you're not sure you can overcome and you're feeling that inadequacy. Again, this can just really be pervasive throughout our days of motherhood. And this is why I really, really wanted to drill down on this. Another reason we can feel inadequate is maybe we have a particularly challenging child, a strong-willed child or a child who's difficult to relate to, or a disabled child, or a child who's just struggling for one reason or another. Um, There's so many potential ways that we can feel inadequate as mothers. And we're constantly being fed this idea, all these different ideas about motherhood. I mean, in, in 10 seconds, you can scroll through social media and see three different perspectives on motherhood. And it's just a lot. It's so much to take in. And so, again, that's why I wanted to really drill down on this today. Um, Just understanding that we have a lot of expectations and a lot of ideas flung at us. And we need to make sure that we are taking the time to slow down and process, most of all, 
to listen for the voice of the Lord. And this is why I am constantly encouraging simplification and slowing down. When we are in a hurry, when we are frantic, when we are uh, so, our days are so full of so many activities and our brains are going 100 miles an hour, when do we have time to hear from the Lord, to follow his lead and his direction in our mothering, to find our own um, sort of parental discernment. And I talk about this in the four-hour school day that the season um, of motherhood, preferably that we really, really work to find our, our land legs is early, early, early on. And from the time we find out we're pregnant, like learning to make decisions that we believe that God is leading us to make. And not just us, but us and our husbands. We do this together. We are a team. I think, moms, we need to recognize that our husbands and we are a team when it comes to parenting, right? We want to be good mothers, but we also need fathers in the picture. And I realize there are some single moms out there, and I firmly believe that God can and will fill that place for you. And I encourage you to find that in the local church. The leadership at your church should be there for you to lean into as a single mom when you need some uh, sort of you need a covering. You need a covering like you would have if you had a husband. And so if you're not in a church like that, um, I would encourage you to talk to the leadership about making sure that that's in place. Um, and if that seems to be a problem at your church, I would look for a different church. Uh, single moms, you need you need protection and you need covering. Maybe you have a, a a man in your life, maybe your dad or an uncle or a cousin or a brother who fills that position. And that that is also a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I do believe that we need someone like that to lean into, especially at certain points as moms. Because I do hear from single moms who are struggling um, with teenagers and things like that and just to, to keep the authority in the home. So um, anyhow, kind of went off track there, but I just wanted to make sure that I was speaking to single moms as well. But motherhood is challenging and motherhood is a place where we often feel inadequate. And again, this is where my husband has really been a blessing in terms of helping me simplify, recognizing that I'm only human and I can't do it all. And he's, and he's saying, I don't expect you to do it all and you shouldn't be doing it all. I remember early on when I was just getting worn out, just physically keeping up with a bunch of little ones. You know, at one point I had six kids, nine and under, and I had helpers, like the older kids were helpful and stuff, but you know, there's just a lot to do. And, I, and my husband looked at me and said, why are you trying to do all of this yourself? Like there are some things you're doing that these kids can actually do. And he taught me how to be a better administrator in our home and to really run our household better because that wasn't something I would do by nature, you know? And so anyhow, so what I'm saying moms is when it comes to motherhood and even homeschooling, lean into your husband because it's amazing. He does not have to be in the day-to-day in the thick of things and know every single detail in order to make a good decision because God has ordained his role in your family. And so because it's God ordained, we can go to the Lord and say, I'm going to ask, you know, my husband, like I would say, Lord, I'm going to ask Daryl about this, this, and this. I know that he doesn't know all the ins and outs of all of it, Would you? but would you give him wisdom beyond his own ability, beyond his own knowledge, and just let his answer be your answer. 
And I would do that and it would just be such a huge blessing. And so that is one wonderful thing that God has given us as believing moms to avoid that pitfall of, of, of inadequacy. All right, let's talk about why we can feel inadequate in homeschooling. And, and I realize I'm not covering every single possibility, but you guys get the idea. I think what I'm listing are the most common things. Um, I think the thing I hear most is uh, someone will tell me that they weren't homeschooled. And so they would say, I, I wasn't homeschooled. So um, so I don't really know how this works. And, and I just want to, I just look at them usually and say, well, I wasn't homeschooled either. Most of us were not homeschooled. There are more and more second generation homeschoolers, but they're still very, very rare. So we're all in the same boat. Okay. So I think that's an important thing to understand. We're not alone. We're all doing this with only our experience with a public or private school or more of a traditional school setting. So another reason we can feel inadequate is that maybe we didn't do well in school. Um, Maybe we don't feel particularly smart. Maybe we're worried that we aren't going to be able to prepare our kids for whatever it is they need. So can I just stop there for a second and say this? I remember having that very thought from the very beginning. Lord, there is no way that I know what it is you have for these kids. That is a fact, okay? I can't change that. I can't pretend to hit as many targets as possible, to try to cover as many bases as possible. But I specifically remember thinking about this uh, with our oldest son because, um, you know, typically, eventually, women become moms and they spend a big chunk of their lives being moms, but the men are typically providing um, or at least bringing in the bulk of the income. And so think, so for me in that moment, that's what I was thinking of. Like how, how am I going to know how to prepare him for whatever it is God has for him? And I realized in that moment, I couldn't, I absolutely could not, but God knew his future. And that's what I was reminded of. God's like, hey, I got this. I know everything about Jake. I know what his giftings are. I know what he's going to do for a living. And what and what he really wanted me to do, what God wanted me to do was trust him. That whatever unfolded in our homeschooling, however he led us in our homeschooling, that that would be sufficient, that it would be enough. And it was. And guess what? Jake became a software engineer. My husband and I are not techie at all. He lost me in math. Jake lost me in math by seventh grade. But you know, I looked at homeschooling like this. Kind of like when you get married and you say, divorce is not an option. It'll be death before divorce. My husband and I always joke around that we'll kill each other first before we'll get a divorce. (laughs) which obviously isn't going to happen. Neither of those things are going to happen. But the point is that when you get it in your head that that quitting is not an option, all of a sudden it changes the trajectory. There's no out anymore, okay? So now what do I have to do? I have to say, we're going to figure this out. And Lord, the only way that I'm going to figure it out in, a, in, in the best way possible is with you, with you leading, with you guiding, okay? So... 
another reason we can feel inadequate is, um, again, mixed messages coming from all kinds of places, social media, others, our own expectations of what homeschooling would look like or be like or feel like, right? We didn't know that there would be such hard things and such decisions to make and so many options and how do I figure this out? And, um, you know, so there's there's that feeling of inadequacy from just all these, this variety of expectations. And some of them are completely unreasonable and many of them are unreasonable. Many of them aren't a good fit for our family. And this is why we have to sift through it with the Lord. This is this this is so so important. The la- the last reason. Um, this is another one that I hear quite a bit. Is that uh, a parent or a mom feels inadequate when it comes to homeschooling because she doesn't have a teaching degree? Okay. So I've got a couple little side notes for you. First of all, I've had a pretty much every mom that I know that was a teacher and became a homeschool mom said it was absolutely so difficult to overcome what they'd been taught. So they were having to relearn how to teach their kids or how to educate their kids, okay? Because they realize it doesn't work with most kids. That traditional setting doesn't work. So don't try to take public school home and put that into motion in your home. That's not what homeschooling is. And so they have said to me, it's been a bigger obstacle than it has been a help. So we can kick that idea to the curb for that reason that, you know, we'd do better if we had a teaching degree. But also another thing, I was telling our son, Luke, who's 24, um, I was telling him a while back about the fact that it seems like every homeschooling mom feels inadequate at at least some, if not most of the time. And he said this, and I want you to listen carefully to this, okay? He said, mom, you need to tell those moms something. He said, you need to tell them this. You still care more about your kids on your worst day than a teacher will on her best. Now, this was not, this wasn't casting a negative light on teachers because there are many wonderful, caring teachers out there. But the truth is, this is the truth, moms, Okay, then no one loves your kids as much as you do. No one cares about their future as much as you do. And no one is more invested in their future than you are. So it makes sense that you're the best person to facilitate their education. How many situations have you been in where you noticed that the person who was supposed to be the professional working with your child didn't know your child nearly as well as you do. I had this happen with our youngest son. Uh, I, you know, we knew that he probably had some issues. He was, he, he was different than the other kids. He had had um, open heart surgery when he was a baby, um, transposition of the greater arteries, two holes in his heart, two months in the hospital. Um, so, you know, there's just some connectors that don't connect during that time. And it's, and some of that starts to show up in when you start homeschooling. And I mean, it, it showed up in toddlerhood too, but really... Um, we're specifically talking about homeschooling right now. And I thought, you know, I want to make sure that I'm getting in front of this if there's something I need to know, um, which is wise, right? So I took him to get an evaluation and the person who was working with him was terrible with him. Absolutely terrible. And I'm sitting in the same room and I'm thinking, don't butt in, Dorinda. Just don't butt in. Just let this ride it out. And I just kept praying because I was like, I was listening to her ask him the questions And she would ask the question one way. And I knew exactly 
what he was actually hearing because I knew him. And he wasn't going to answer the question. But if she asked it in a different way, and I knew exactly how she should say it, then he would answer it. He would have the answer for that. But she just kept asking the same way. So I walked, anyway, that that evaluation ended really quickly. She decided that he might have a problem with his hearing, which I knew he didn't. But I thought, you know, what the heck, let's go get his hearing checked just to be sure. Let's start at base one. Anyway, he ended up at a a speech, taking some speech therapy um, and he did wonders for him. It was it was wonderful. It was a wonderful experience. Completely different set of people working with him, and I could just had so much more peace, like so much more peace when they were working with him. I was like, okay, they know what they're doing. They're doing a great job. He's he is answering accurately. This is an accurate evaluation. But see, here's the thing. My point in this is that you know, at the end of the day, if God is going to talk to anyone about what's best for our children, it's going to be us. And I, again, I'm not saying that other people can't speak into our lives. Other people can't tell us things that we don't know about our children. But at the end of the day, that responsibility falls on our shoulders. We are accountable before the Lord to be seeking out what our children need. Um, And you know what? Even a parent who sends their kid to the public school is still responsible for that. We don't get to slough that off on someone else, okay? Um, And I realize there... Hopefully that wasn't offensive to someone who's listening, but I just want to, it's clear. It's just clear in God's word that at the end of the day, parents are the ones who are responsible for our children fully 100%. If we send our kids to even to a class, moms, we need to know what are they learning in that class? Is this class going to give them something that goes against our values? We're still responsible for that no matter what. It can be easy to become overloaded and burdened and feel inadequate and want to pass that responsibility on to someone else. But at the end of the day, we cannot do that before the Lord. We are going to stand before him. So I think my point in all of this is to say that it can be tempting to think that only the professionals, only the professionals are qualified to teach our children, but warm, responsive parents are almost always the best teachers and the most equipped to find the resources that their children need. So we may not teach our children everything, but we're ferreting out what they need and who they should get that from. Okay, that's we're facilitating their education. But in terms of feeling inadequate and how it affects our decisions, we are often consumed with and so concerned with where we don't feel qualified right? We're focused on that, on our inadequacies, that it can cause us to panic and make decisions out of fear. And yet our inadequacies are of zero concern to God. God is not concerned about our inadequacies. So why should we be concerned about them? Why should we let that fear drive us No good decisions are made from a place of fear, but these inadequacies are of no concern to God. They are not an obstacle to him. He is the great provider. He understands that we are limited. He understands that. So the thing that I love about being a believer 
is being able to go back to the things that I always go back to. If you've been listening for any length of time, you know this is my go-to because this is where the truth lies. God is sovereign. He has sovereignly ordained us to be the mothers of our specific children. So in God's economy, we are qualified because he has called us to it. It is he who qualifies us. He doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. He qualifies us along the way, each day, step by step. And, you know, I recently had a a situation, and most of you know, if you've been listening for a while, that our youngest son was diagnosed with autism. I knew he was on the spectrum, but something happened last year and a switch sort of flipped and he was having massive, massive problems. And I remember the first several months just crying and just saying, I said this to my daughter and and my husband, and they both responded the same way, but I said, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I have no idea what I'm doing. You guys, I was back at square one, just like the beginning of motherhood, um, the beginning of homeschooling. You know, we will find ourselves in many places along the way where we feel inadequate. When our daughter lost her first baby, um, he was stillborn and not expected. And now I'm going to walk with our daughter through this situation and how, what kind of, how does a person do that? How does a mom walk her adult, beside her adult daughter and son-in-law in a godly, biblical way? How? <laughs> one moment at a time, one day at a time, one week at a time. Moms, this is life. This is what God has called us to. It's understanding that he is God and we are not. And so I was saying to my husband and my daughter, my 20-year-old daughter, I, I, don't, I don't know if I can do this. Like, I don't even know where to begin. I, I don't feel adequate for this job. They both said to me, you were made to be his mom. God sovereignly ordained you to be his mom. He's going to, and my husband knows it, you know, as the dad, same thing. God has ordained him to be Silas's dad and Johanna to be Silas's sister. And we all play a part in this and, and in Silas's life. And that's the way God has intended it. And so my daughter specifically kind of repeatedly said to me, mom, you got to trust God. He promised he would give you wisdom. He said he would give it generously. He's going to give it to you. And my husband would be like, just take the next step. We're not eating the whole elephant. We're taking one bite at a time. And moms, that is really the key right there. Understanding that God is sovereign and that he's good. And he has placed us sovereignly in this particular situation. And so there is a way. There is absolutely a way. God has placed within us as moms a nurturing nature that is unique to women and instincts that are unique to our particular families. And that's why it makes such a difference when we slow down and listen for God's direction and wisdom along the way, taking time to be intentional and prayerful along the way, humbly teachable 
right? James 1 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. And that's when I have found myself the most unstable is when I stopped trusting that God was faithful, that he is faithful to give us generously everything that we need to do what's in front of us. We don't need to worry about next week or next year, just the next minute, the next hour. I remember early on when um, we were homeschooling and we had found this really peaceful rhythm, simple, unhurried approach. Things seem to be moving along. And you know, that's how the, the enemy is always ready to pounce, right? And so I remember specifically one day thinking to myself, you know, if there were a camera in my house and someone were watching what I'm doing with my kids in terms of homeschooling, I am sure that they would say, she stinks at this. She is not doing enough. What about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? And that just sort of, you know, that domino effect of all these things that I might be missing. And so I took it to the Lord and I said, Lord, I feel very peaceful about what we're doing, but I know if someone else were watching, they would tell me I was doing a crappy job. And immediately the Lord brought to my mind the story of the loaves and fishes. Now, I want you to think about this. Walk through this with me and think about your own situation where you feel inadequate, okay? So here's a bunch of people, right? 5,000, 5,000 households. So you're talking probably minimum of 20,000 people. They're out in a remote location. So there's no markets or anything close by. And the people are hungry and the disciples, I believe, are suggesting that we let the people, that they let the people go and eat, right? Go find something to eat. But they are in a remote location. So Jesus looks at them, and what does he say to them? He says, feed them. Okay, hold on here. 20,000 plus people, and Jesus is telling his disciples to feed them. What is he doing? He's asking them to do something they are inadequate for, they cannot pull this off. And he knows that, right? But he's asking them to do it anyway. And of course, they look at him and say, we, we don't have the resources. Like we're inadequate for this job. There's no way we can feed all these people. And even if we could, it would take like a whole year's wages from all of us to feed all of these people. What did Jesus say to them? He said, bring me what you have, right? What was it? Five loaves and two fishes, right? severely, severely inadequate supplies, right? <laughs> but Jesus says, bring me what you have. He didn't ask them to bring what they didn't have. He said, bring me what you have. And he prayed over it and he multiplied it and he made it enough. And that was my comfort in that moment and many, many moments after that to say, God, you are good. Please take what little I have to offer and make it enough. And you know what, you guys? He totally did that. And he will do the same thing for you because we serve the same God. 
And, you know, I find myself, I mentioned earlier that I, I found myself in a in feeling inadequate situation with our son, our youngest son. And then also, can I just say, those feelings of inadequacy don't go away once your kids are grown. Now you're a mother to grown children who are far more complex, who you have much less to say about their daily activities and decisions that they make. And even though they might make good decisions, they might not make the decisions you would make. And sometimes we don't understand their decisions. And so we find ourselves as mothers of grown children feeling inadequate again. Mother-in-law, how can I be a good mother-in-law to my daughters-in-law and my sons-in-law? And how about a good grandma to my children? I heard someone, or my grandchildren, I heard someone say once, so here I've got all this fruit, this investment that I've made in this family that's huge, right? And continuing to grow. Someone said, baskets of fruit are heavy. And it's true. I have lots of fruit, of great harvest from my investment, but my basket is heavy. And sometimes it feels heavier than I can bear. And so I feel inadequate too, even in this season of life. And it goes back to saying, Lord, I don't have what it takes to be everything to everybody. I can't do that because I'm not God, right? I'm only human. So Lord, will you take what I have to offer and will you multiply it and will you make it enough? Moms, this is about obedience. We cannot do it all. God is not calling us to do it all. He is calling us to only do what he has called us to do. Often that will be more than we think we can handle. And so again, we bring it to him. We bring what we have and we let him multiply it. I mean, do we honestly believe that God would call us to do something and then not equip us to do it? Is that really the kind of God we serve? Because I think it does a lot of times come back to who do we think God is versus who, you know, who we think he is versus who he really is, right? Go back to the Garden of Eden. What was the, what was the first temptation? In the garden, the enemy was convincing Eve that God wasn't who he said he was, right? And also that he wasn't enough. So moms, let me reassure you, we are not enough, but he is. Okay, so we're going to go back to the fact that he is sovereign. God has weaved your family together exactly like it is at this moment in time, okay? And if God has put this together, He will give you the grace to do what he's put in front of you to do. With man, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So I want to read, remind you of the passage on God's sovereignty. And so I'm just going to read through this because I want you to be reminded of the greatness and the sovereignty of God. And you will read this same message throughout all of the scriptures. But this is um, Isaiah 46, 3 through 11, I believe. Listen to me, O house of Jacob, all the remnant of the house of Israel who have been born by me from before your birth, carried from the womb, even to your old age, I am he, and to gray hairs, I will carry you. I have made and I will bear. I will carry and I will save. To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be alike? Those who lavish gold from the purse and weigh out silver in the scales hire a goldsmith and he makes it into a god and then they fall down and worship. You're talking about worshiping false gods. 
Verse 7, they lift it to their shoulders. They carry it. They set it in its place, and it stands there. It cannot move from its place. If one cries to it, it does not answer or save him from his trouble. Remember this and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Calling a bird of prey from the east, the man of my counsel from a far country, I have spoken and I will bring it to pass. I have purposed and I will do it. Do you hear the power in that passage? God is saying, don't lift anything else up as an idol. You know, our country really looks at education as an idol. And there's this God of education and it's got to look like this and you've got to do this and you've got to do this. And moms, let's not, let's not give in to that temptation. Let's worship the true God who knows us, who loves us, who wants to shepherd us as we shepherd our children, who loves our kids more than we do. Moms, we can count on him. He is enough. Don't forget also that not only is he sovereign, but he is good. He wants to gently disciple us as we disciple our children. But what this requires from us is to be humbly teachable, which goes against our nature. We, we want to feel adequate, to feel like enough. But the truth is, we are not adequate. We are not enough, not without God. And really what it comes down to is this inadequacy is really fear. If we want to put a name on it, um, that's probably more accurate. Inadequacy equals fear. Um, specifically, I, I think of First uh, Timothy that says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. So I thought, I'm going to look up, what does spirit of fear mean, you know? Because um, fear can just be, it can simply be an emotion, but what is a spirit of fear? A person with a spirit of fear may shy away from proclaiming the gospel or upholding the truth of God's word because of an impending sense of threat or danger, whether it is real or imagined, okay? So feeling inadequate can lead us to this spirit of fear and cause us to shy away from seeking the truth, okay? Um, when it talks about proclaiming the gospel and upholding the truth of God's word, we do that within the walls of our homes when we kick fear to the curb, we respond to a feeling of fear, we respond instead with faith, okay? So a person with a spirit of fear um, who does not have a spirit of fear is gonna proclaim the gospel in her home, uphold the truth of God's word, and not let that impending sense of threat or danger, real or imagined, including our inadequacies, determine the course of our days, Fear is an unpleasant emotion, and it's caused by the belief that something or something is dangerous and likely to cause pain or threat. And then it goes on, when your spirit is clogged or dominated by fear, your connection with God is affected. Moms, we need to stay 
tied to the vine. We need to abide in him. What does he say? And, you know, basically we cannot thrive outside of abiding in the vine. He is the vine. We are the branches. We must stay connected. And so we don't want to let the spirit of fear, um, which can be, uh, um, magnified by this this feeling of inadequacy to to affect our abiding in the vine. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of self-discipline. Okay, God loves the process and and feeling inadequate is part of the process. Um, and feelings are real. Like these feelings are legitimate, right? But it's how we respond. So are we going to try to fix things ourselves, focus on, you know, quote unquote, self, self-improvement, self-sufficiency, if I just did this better or this better? Are we going to lean on our own understanding or are we going to respond in faith and trust in him with all of our hearts, not being wise in our own eyes, but rather fearing the Lord, which is acknowledging his power. When we acknowledge his power, we're saying, you are God and I am not. I acknowledge that and therefore I bring this thing to you and acknowledge that I need you to help me with this. So we acknowledge his power and we cast our cares upon him because he cares for us moms. He cares for us deeply. And if you struggle with understanding what that looks like, one of my favorite books is A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. It is a an actual shepherd who lived in the Middle East and shepherded sheep in the Middle East. So he gets all the nuances of Psalm 23 and he walks you through it in this sweet little book and you really understand what a loving shepherd we have. I think about Isaiah 40, 11, who says he will um, lead his flock like a shepherd um, and he will carry the lambs in his arms and gently lead those who are with young. But again, moms, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of self-discipline. Discipline to rest in him. We need to be able to settle into the fact that things are not going to be perfect on this earth. While we diligently do the work that God has put in front of us, we do so from a heart of rest. We can. We actually can, moms. God tells us that we can enter his rest because of what Jesus accomplished through the cross, the resurrection, and the ascension. He tells us that we can take a Sabbath rest on Sundays, but we can find Sabbath rest for our souls throughout the entire week. And I read something a while back on finding rest, and I want to wrap it up by reading this to you. I think you're going to love it. When God talks about taking a Sabbath, it means to take a break, to celebrate, but also to suffer, to be lacking. When we see that all work is not finished for a period of time, we suffer or allow things to remain lacking. If we are to know rest at all in this life, it will have to be like this, a time when we stop, a time when we celebrate what is in all its goodness and blessing, and a time when we suffer or allow some things to still be lacking. At its core, rest is to give thanks for the present and to trust that as the future becomes the present, God will supply what we need. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your kindness and your goodness to us, Lord. We love the way that you shepherd us, 
the way that you are not putting all these expectations on us that we feel, that we imagine, um, that other people might throw on us, Lord. We thank you so much that we can right now in this moment take those inadequacies, take those expectations and lay them at your feet. Lord, we come to you and we lay them at your feet and we acknowledge that you are God and we are not. And we praise you and thank you for your faithfulness that every single day, your mercies are new for each and every day. Lord, may we grasp that each morning and move forward walking in obedience to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Before you leave, I want to share one last resource with you. Interested in homeschooling? Classical Conversations equips parents with a proven curriculum and support from a local community of homeschool families all walking the same path together. You're their first teacher. Be their best teacher. Learn how to make homeschooling doable at classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. That's classicalconversations.com slash Dorinda. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Have a great day.